Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sometimes needing new tires can catch us by surprise. That's why tire power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tirepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Welcome into SENZ. Dean Butler with you here today on the Rugby Run for Lennon for Ricardo Ball. Uh, as always, we're joined by Justin Marshall. Marshy's uh, actually in studio today. Marshy, good to see you, mate. Yeah, it's good to be here, actually. Yeah. I've, I've made my way through uh, all the marathon traffic here in Auckland <laughs> amongst uh, driving rain. So, uh, uh, yeah, people out there doing the hard yards, as the All Blacks did last night. Um, it's not been easy over the last 24 hours, has it? <laughs> I'll tell you, folks, when Marshy arrived, I went out to shake your hand. And you're dripping wet. I'm not kidding. Dripping wet. Yeah, let alone those people that are out there running for hours and hours I and hours. And so good on them. And um, I think it's nearing an end. And uh, I, I imagine pretty a lot of them will be satisfied, but relieved to, to be out oh, of the wet thank and you. having... Uh, got the marathon out of the way. <laughs> Done and dusted. Hey, listen, folks, if you've got any questions you want to ask Marshy, um, do uh, let us know 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or you can, of course, text as well, double eight double three double eight double three. Marshy, I'll start it off, mate. I was in here last night actually doing the 6 to 8.30 show, and it was confusing because we've got all the multi-screens, as you can see. We had the ABs up here. Uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup, the, they couldn't get Spark in here, so that was on that screen about 45 feet over <laughs> yeah. there. So I'm trying to watch that I'm getting the score there. I'm half watching that. I'm talking to people. I'm not good at multitasking, Marshy. You're not good at. We're men. Yes, we, we are. We, we can't. It's in our DNA. We yeah. can't do it. But the common theme from all the callers last night and all the guests last night, the common theme, and I'll start the questions off, was they wanted to see how Roger went. That was the that was oh, right. like the common mm. theme of the of of the calls. It was like we want to see how he goes. Your you know, your thoughts on on RTS last night? How do you think he went? Oh, look, I think he went satisfactory. Like yep. he, he obviously had limited opportunities to, to get the ball in space. Mm. Um, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. He made his tackles. Uh, he carried when he needed to. A couple of nice little subtle touches. The the dubious try to Braden in there, he was involved in that, regardless <laughs> of, of the fact whether it was forward or not Whatever. off Richie Moonga. He was still there and part of that. Uh, the inside ball to Sevu Reese. Um, so, you know, a couple of try assists yes. there uh, for Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. Um, as I said, you, you you saw him. He didn't look out of place. Um, mm. He didn't do something uh, anything uh, spectacular, but neither did anybody really um, throughout the course of the game. So true. Look, I, I think uh, for his first test uh, as a starting twelve, um, he certainly came through it uh, unscathed. And you know the potential's there. Again, yeah. it's just not easy when you're in the midfield when you're up against a very good uh, defensive system. I think Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown. And the entire coaching crew there, I think John Mitchell runs the defence. I was going to ask you about that because yeah. I got a, a bit of a surprise when I saw, is that John Mitchell? It is. Yeah. How long has he been part he, of this for? He, they bought him in la, uh, the end of last year, so ah. he's part of it a while. So th- you combine those three names and you go, there's a lot of knowledge there. Yeah. Um, you know, good rugby brains, but more importantly, good rugby brains that know New Zealand rugby yeah, and, the, and the style of game that New Zealand like to play and... I certainly think defensively they did a very good job in putting the All Blacks under pressure, forcing them into quite a negative way to play. A lot yeah. of 
uh, kicking, aimless it kicking, um, because they frustrated the All Blacks. So back to you know your, your your question about Roger, because of that, it was pretty hard to get um, you know in any real uh, space because they they shut down a, a lot of the space. You know, fifteen to twenty metres either side of the ruck really effectively Japan. So look, absolutely, I think. Uh, I didn't come away from that test match thinking Roger Tuivasa-Shek shouldn't be out there and mm. didn't deserve his start. And I thought he was very adequate uh, in that jersey. And, yeah. and hopefully he'll grow from the experience. That's it, though, isn't it? I mean, that's, and I think part of the reason is, too, because we all remember his highlights real from league, and it's spectacular. Yeah. It's a different game now. It's a different position. It's all those things. And I was the same as you. I thought, yeah, the things he did well, and he's still finding his feet coming yep. through. But, yeah, I, I was the same. And we have to ask ourselves, too, Marshy, are we, are we not giving enough credit to this Japanese side who played pretty damn well? Well, probably not, because you know the, a lot of the chat before the test match was that the All Blacks would win convincingly. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't convinced on that. Were given, you? No, I wasn't. Not given the side that we named. Um, I was quite. I, well, I wasn't outspoken, but I, I certainly felt that it wasn't the right pathway for the All Blacks to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, considering what they're going to face next weekend Oof. and the following two weekends, you know, a lot of that. <sighs> yeah. Starting fifteen, that will start against Wales. Haven't played any rugby since that Bledisloe mm. in September. Uh, and they're going into the cauldron of Millennium Stadium. I would have preferred to see that nucleus rega- uh, outside of the players that were unavailable of that team that would start against Wales play, yeah. and then the opportunities uh, come off the bench. Ian Foster didn't feel that way, and he named a completely different side than the one that we'll see next week. Yeah. Uh, so because of that, there was always going to be a little bit of general rust, and and combos are the same. You know, oh. two of us are Sheik and Enor have never played together. Oh, no, exactly. Um, Finlay Christie and Richie Moonga, their time together would be very limited. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at a lot of the scenarios in that uh, team, Tupuvai and um, Ritalik would have played a bit at the Chiefs, but... In general, combos would have been yeah. hard, harder to, to, to gel, yeah. given that a lot of these guys haven't played a lot of rugby. So I wasn't surprised that there was rust. But, uh, you know, going back to your question, um, I did expect that out of Japan. That's the way they play. Wow. They, they love to play with ball in hand. Yeah. You know, they're very creative. I think they realised that physically they ha- had to make a shift, and I think Jamie's been very good at that. They were, they were very good in the tackle. They were great at the breakdown. They mm. competed... Uh, really hard in those areas. Their yeah. line-out was very, very good. Their scrum for the majority of the game held up. So, look, they pushed the French, uh, who put out two mixed sides against them in June. Yeah. Um, pretty hard as well. Uh, so, you know, that's saying that teams who take them slightly lightly now will find themselves beaten one day. Yeah. And the French nearly did. I think they only won by three in the first test. <sighs> So, you know, the All Blacks sort of, I think, probably underestimated mm. how far Japan have come. Um, so, yeah, absolute massive credit to them in the way that they played and their approach to the game. And the fact that they did it with, I think, only about 40% of the ball yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, well, there you go. Well summed up. 0800 is the number to call if you want to ask uh, Justin Marshall um, a question. Or you can text double eight. Uh, double three. We've got one here actually from Ken uh, Marshy. He says, Dean and Justin thought RTS was very good, but the hero uh, for Ken was Dalton Papali'i. He must start at seven. Uh, he was on for 15 minutes, nine tackles, three turnovers with Kane out. And then Ken says Moonga was poor. Your thoughts? Yeah, it was a very valid, I think, uh, Ken, that um, Richie Moonga, he struggled a little bit. Mm. Um, I think he felt that the pressure that they were under, the best thing for him was just to sit back when they got static ball or they didn't have any shape um, yeah. to, to, to kick. But, you know, they, they weren't 
I guess, kicks that were positive. They were yeah. kicks of just, let's get out of this zone. And, you know, against good sides, good counter-attack sides, that, that will hurt you uh, eventually. So I think probably, you know, um, it's one of those games where he just probably needed to grab the game by the scruff of the neck a little bit mm. more. He's got an amazing ability to engage defenders. We saw that in that offload. And I think I can't think of many other instances uh, when he flattened up and took on defenders no. and looked to put people in space or himself use his footwork. So... Yeah, probably not his his um, best All Black Test yeah. match. Um, a lot of kicking. You yeah, know. it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, like that's where a ten and a nine have to take control of the game when when they see things in front of them and the defence frustrating them or frustrating the pattern you want to play. Mm. Then you've got to get together with with your uh, outside backs, with your loose forwards, and you know, find your way out of it and kicking the ball away uh, without getting any change out of that. Yeah. You know, fair enough if you kick it away and you're winning that Absolutely. aerial duel Stage or you're two. finding the ground, putting the opposition under pressure. But the kicks, most of them were going to hand and just letting Japan back into the game. Yeah. Um, and, and second part of Ken's point, look, he, he, he probably impressed me the most out of anybody that's come off the bench wow. so far this season, Dalton Papali'i. Like the, the work that he got through, yeah. uh, I think he got through nine tackles in 14 minutes. Yeah, Ken is, yeah. Yeah, uh, and... He, he competed at every breakdown. Uh, his defence was, was was outstanding. He carried hard. Um, yeah, he, he really put his hand up. He hasn't had a lot of game time, and it's probably been a bit of a frustrating mm. second half of the season after he was so outstanding for the Blues. <laughs> exactly. I was saying, in breaking news, obviously if people out there haven't heard, um, the, the, the All Blacks have announced that uh, Sam Kane has sh- uh, suffered a cheekbone injury and he's out of the tour, so he's heading back to New Zealand oh. along with Dane Coles. Uh, so there, there, and lies an opportunity. Now it's just about yes. where Foster goes. You know, does yeah. he, does he, when he introduces Artie, um, does Artie's he bring good. Artie onto the side of the scrum? Does he stick with a genuine number eight in, in Sotutu, or does he prefer number eight um, for Artie Savier? And then Dalton Papali'i gets his opportunity. The equation of probably Scott Barrett at lock now with what's going to possibly happen to Retallick. Yes, uh, at blindside, I should say, will probably mean that he will have to play lock. Mm. Um, but I thought Tupuvai was pretty good last night. Uh, I thought he had a, a good shift and, and showed plenty of promise. So, uh, you know, all the way back to Ken's original um, statement, yep, Mwanga a little bit poor. Yeah. Um, but Papa Ali really did show that he has uh, got something that the All, All Blacks could really utilise. Yeah. And look, we got a, we got a text last night from, from Keats and he said, uh, obviously Dalton Papali, he's got his hair. He said he looked like Rutger Hauer from Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I can't throw stones in this glass house. I've been there big time. Say, I've, I've, I've come out with some shockers yeah, in the past, yeah, I tell you. So, uh, you've dabbled with the peroxide. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there'll be no criticism coming out of this camp. <laughs> None whatsoever. Hey, look, folks, keep your calls coming in 0800 150 811 and your text is double eight double three. We've got a couple here. Also, just let you know, I should have said at the start of the show, we've got Joey Wheeler coming up this hour as well, uh, Campbell Burns from the, um, the Rugby News, and also Tim Horan's going to join us, your old mate, at 2.30, I think we're having a, a chat about the uh, Aussie-Scotland game as well. Yeah, yeah, plenty of rugby going on at the oh, moment, mate. so lots to talk about. It's plenty of everything, Marsh. Sure it's insane. Is. So here's a couple of texts for you, uh, Marshy. Marshy, should Dane Coles retire? This is from Josh, the calf issue, and, if, and he's a leader in waning a bit thin, wearing a bit thin. <clears throat> yeah, I was talking to Mills uh, Muliaina last night um, when we heard about Dane Coles. Uh, we were working together, and I, I just gave Mills a nudge and said, "Hey, mate, you know what's happening to Dane Coles now?" I said, oh, "I went through that." Yeah. I said, "You know, yeah. when I was getting around that sort of thirty-six mark, thirty-five, thirty-six. I know Colesy isn't quite there yet, but I, I was tearing hamstrings and 
uh, uh, calf muscles at training, um, really? you know, for no real particular reason, you know, fully warmed up. Yeah. And it's just the body fatiguing on you yep. and, and eventually starting to wear thin yep. of getting pushed like it does. And funnily enough, Mills said to me, I was exactly the same. And for really? him, it was hamstrings. Yeah. So yeah, there is a time when your body is telling you, that there's been a lot that's gone through, and well, and, when Coles, you, and it gets frustrating. Is yeah. the, the main thing, Dean? It gets really, really frustrating that you, all you want to do at that age, because uh, and, and the reason that you're still playing is because you want to play. Absolutely. So what you're trying to do is get through the training week just to play, because yeah. that's what you want. That's you know, it, you know eh? your time yeah. left in the jersey is dissipating. So yeah. all you want to do is get through the training week. As lightly as you can when you're that age, because you're really experienced, <laughs> so you miss as much as possible. That's right. But unfortunately for Dane Coles, um, he's not even enabling to do that because, you know, he he pulled out um, on the on the day of the game, yeah, uh, with another calf problem. So, yeah, look, uh, he really has had a lot of time over the last two years to try to get that body right, and his body's still letting him down. Oh, yeah. I hope it's not the end of Dane Coles. I think he's still got plenty left to offer the game, but he needs to find a way to to get through these problems. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And look, uh, here's another text here from um, Rob. Uh, it goes back to your point as well. He says, hi, guys. Enjoy the uh, rugby show. That All Blacks performance last night was embarrassing. And with around 12 changes to the starting 15 to play Wales at Millennium Stadium in front of 75,000 people with players who haven't played any rugby for six weeks, Rob says, I can see three losses in a row. What do you think, well, well, he's right. There, w- there will be an absolute um, sh- change of shift in terms of the team environment and what it looks like. Yeah. I guess the one positive, and maybe this is where Ian Foster's mindset is, Wales are, are not in a good place either. They have lots of injuries, mm. and they equally haven't played uh, together for a long time. So, yeah. you know, maybe his his mindset was, I want to keep that nucleus of the players that I know they're going to be in my starting 15 fresh. I want them to be a little bit on edge because they haven't played. Yeah. Um, because I know the opposition are in the same boat. Uh, and maybe that's the way he wants to launch his assault on those three test matches uh, right. in the UK. That, that's probably my mindset and thinking that's his thought process because yeah. Wales are decimated with injury and they have not played. So they are in a similar position. You know, the All Blacks yeah. are losing cattle by the <laughs> by the so day at the moment. I know, I know. So that's not ideal. But um, look, I, I still think there's resolve in this team and I still think there's potential. But yeah. They do, on the evidence of last night, have to find their mojo very quickly because they will get frustrated in the oh. UK by the defensive systems that Wales, Scotland and England will throw at them, mm. which will be suffocating in that midfield, will be yeah. suffocating in around the rucks, uh, out to in. They'll show you heaps of space on the outside. Yeah. You'll see 15, 20 metres of space with a fullback and a winger in it. Yeah, But to get the ball into that space is, is very, very difficult because yeah. they cut you off. So that's... That's the challenge that the All Blacks face. Um, if they can get their mindset around that, um, I think they can win all three. Yes, well, there you go, Rob. There's an answer from Marshy. Thank you, Marshy. Uh, OK, folks, we better take a break, Marshy. I think after the break, we've got Joey Wheeler Brilliant. coming up. So, yeah, keep your texts coming in there, folks. Double eight, double three. We're back after the break. First up, we've got one of our guests today. It is Joey Wheeler on the line. You're all right, mate. Joe, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Dean. You well, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you, mate. Very well. We're just uh, dissecting last night's uh, uh, game, Marshy. I'm sure you want to uh, have a chat to Joey about that one. Yeah, I do, Joey. Hey, thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate it always. Um, I was really thinking about this game this morning and thought, I know that you know the Japanese players and side well. Uh, Were you surprised at their performance last night? 
Um, no, I, I wasn't, to be honest. I, I think a few weeks back, Justin, like I, I know that this has been the test match that um, I definitely know the coaching staff and talking to a lot of the players. Um, this is the one test match that, that that's all that's mattered for this Japanese team all year and they've primed everything in terms of their preparations around performing at their best for this one test because they knew that the All Blacks would uh, roll out a... I guess, a B team or a development side to give guys some more minutes uh, for this game, and they saw that as their one opportunity to tip them up. So, no, I wasn't surprised because I've seen a lot of the work and how long they've been preparing for this game, and I think it showed they were uh, far more accurate in everything they did, far more cohesive in everything they did, and their combinations um, were far more... um, I suppose they just flowed a lot better. They knew each other's game inside out, and... Yeah, they they looked they looked magnificent. And the one thing that probably did surprise me, if anything, Marshy, was how well they aimed up physically. That yeah. was the one area that I was a little bit where I I knew that that's where the All Blacks will go. They'll go to their set piece and they'll go to the uh, the contact zone because traditionally, obviously, the Japanese they're a smaller frame. They um, they play the game at a high tempo, but man, did they aim up um, their forwards, their physicality, Leach, Kimino. Uh, Tatafu, uh, the loose forward trio for the Japanese, outplayed uh, the All Blacks loose forward trio, hands down. Uh, they were immense and um, into everything, ball carrying, tackle, uh, the breakdown. Yeah, I, I was a huge performance and uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed by, by how they how they played. If it wasn't for that, um, I think you called it in the in the um, in your commentary, Marshy. The obviously the forward pass uh, was clearing yeah. the obvious to everyone apart from I forget the referee's name. Um, even Marius was, uh, you know, the uh, TMO was like it's a forward pass, but it's like that the whistle uh, refused to call it. Uh, you know, if they if they take that seven points away, Japanese win that. You know, and um, yeah, uh, amazing, an amazing effort from that side and. I think they're tracking really nicely. So Jamie Joseph and his crew should be immensely proud. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. Like, you mentioned a few of the players like Hameno. You know, we've got Yamanaka, the, the fullback, and Matsushima on the wing. Play, players that we know yeah, um, regularly throughout uh, Jamie Joseph's reign. But a few that, that he unearthed uh, were outstanding. Like, how much do you know about the likes of Dylan Riley, the centre, yeah. and Warner Derns, mate? Where's this bloke come from? Oh, yeah, and, and Warner Dern's only, he's only had one season of uh, Japanese top league, mate. So, wow. yeah, he has come from nowhere. Obviously, like, for, for listeners out there, the Japanese, how it works is you go to university, you do your university degree, you come out of there at 22 from university, then you go into a guy like Warner Derns, he, he'll be a fully fledged professional now, um, whereas a lot of the Japanese players align with companies where they get, they yeah. get essentially given a job with that company and they play for the company team so they basically split their time 50-50 between working and uh, playing uh, whereas a Warner Derns has come out of university I can't remember the university off the top of my head but was outstanding um, at university got aligned with the Toshiba club um, in Fuchu which was um, our neighbouring club uh, where I was at Suntory and, and has gone has just gone from strength to strength and obviously a huge frame but I was I was thinking man this is you know, I don't know how many test matches he's got under his belt. It wouldn't be many, uh, one or two. And he's going up against Brody Retallick and Tupuvai and, and an all-black <laughs> Did he front physically? But also in terms of his line-out ability, he stole 
numerous lineouts off the uh, off the All Blacks. Um, something that is just unheard of in terms of a Japanese side pinching a uh, lineout ball from opposition. So yeah, he was immense. But yeah, you 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 uh, talked about another guy, Riley, in the midfield. He was huge, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, for, uh, out of uh, Panasonic Wild Knights. So. I'm sure Robbie Robbie Deans has known about this guy for a while, um, and he's done some magnificent things. Obviously, with Panasonic, um, he's been a mainstay in that midfield with them. Alongside, usually they have a foreign cap player alongside him. So, um, in, in the past, I've had Higley Parks the last two years uh, alongside him. So, yeah, fantastic talent, but just had um, beautiful all-round skills, and I think him alongside. Uh, Nakamura, who's obviously been in the um, the Japanese system now for a long time, his experience and just sound decision-making, yeah. they complement each other so, so well. You mentioned the line-out. Now, Samasoni Tokiaho's line-out efficiency was around 94 95% before this test match. What was, and when you looked at the back four that they were, they were usually having, uh, the All Blacks, you know, they had uh, options right right across. When I say back four, the last four people in the line-out, you know, they had Sotutu there. They had um, uh, Tupu Vai. Uh, they had the options uh, quite quite evident, you know, mm. and uh, Retallick was back there as well. What was it? The All Blacks just slightly out of rhythm, or do you think it was more that the Japanese just uh, did their homework and were able to pick them off? Because I've not seen him struggle with his darts like that for quite a long time. Yeah, I always feel for, for hookers in those situations, Marshy, because they, they obviously cop a lot of the blame, but um, line-outs, it's such a technical beast. There's so many moving parts, and it's one area of the game that you've got to rely on every man in that system to do their job 100% right. So a lot of those issues, what, from what I could see, I haven't had a really good look at it post, but what it looked like to me was it was just timing issues. So that's the clunkiness of a team that hasn't played footy in five weeks, have only had maybe you know five training sessions together. Some are getting called in late into the starting lineup. Probably hasn't had as many reps as say a Dane Coles during the week. And I just think just a little bit of crankiness about the guys. But you're right. In terms of that All Blacks pack, that's the first time that they've had four genuine lineout jumping yeah. options in that in their forward pack. Because Artie Savi is not a he's not a natural jumper. They do use him at the front of the lineup, but he's Far from natural, um, whereas Hoskins, Satuta and Shannon Frizzell are brilliant line-out operators. Obviously, Brodie Retallick and Tukubai, they speak for themselves, but that's the first time, and that's the concerning piece uh, bit for me, is that you've got four genuine line-out options, and we were still really, really sloppy. Yeah, you can put a little bit of that down to um, lack of preparation and, and probably not as many reps as they would have liked, but you'd hope that they were a little bit better. But hats off to um, Japan as well, because... Jamie Jamie would have put it, put together a, a magnificent plan around what, what he would have thought they would do, and they changed the picture on the All Blacks a lot, and they got a lot of success from that, especially with Warner Derns, Derns who's uh, you know a two-metre three um, lock, so, and, he, and he got up in the air, which is sometimes the hardest thing to do, is just getting off the ground. It doesn't matter if you, if you read it slightly wrong, it's actually just backing yourself to get up, and that's, I suppose, a little bit of that exuberance of youth. He, did, he wasn't afraid to do that, and he just got off the ground, got his hand in the basket and, and made a real mess of um, the All Blacks line-out. How good was their line-out defence as well on the mall? Like, they've obviously done their... Who's involved in that? Is that Jamie's area or is John Mitchell has come in? I, I, yeah, majority's been known for defence. 
Yeah, yeah. So he's been doing defence. I'm not sure whether he's across the mall defence as well. They do have a Japanese um, scrum scrum, uh, scrum coach, and I imagine he'd be involved in the mall. But from my experience with Jamie, which is obviously a long time down at the Highlanders, he, he he's always heavily involved in uh, mall defence, understanding your role, just like Jason Ryan is. It's all about um, understanding where you've got to put your head, uh, the balance of weight, and not trying to overachieve. That can be sometimes a real trap that, that players fall into. You think, oh, I'm doing a great job here. I'm winning my side. But then you actually give the opposition an opportunity to shear off and go with the role of that mall. So what they did so well last night, they were really wide in their defence. So they were about four or five wide some, sometimes. And the All Blacks just couldn't find a seam to get through. And they were just really patient. And even when the All Blacks did get a little bit of momentum through them, they didn't give away a silly penalty. They just mm. worked back, worked to try to stop it, and then forced the All Blacks into having to play. So, yeah, really, really smart from the Japanese. Um, there were obviously a couple of times towards the end where they gave away some silly penalties in those clutch moments, and that's the difference, right, between the, the top, the really top, top-tier teams and a team like that who upsets the apple cart sometimes. It's how they execute in those moments, and they just... At, towards the end there, they probably just gave away a couple of critical penalties at the wrong time that, that really cost them. Hey, Joey, look, one of the big talking points last night, and it was near the end of the game, Marsh, you, you saw it as well, was uh, Brody Retallick, the red card. What does that mean for him and the All Blacks, and, and what did you make of it at the time? Yeah, no, I think he'll go for a skate, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I think the issue for, for in that instance is he didn't, he tucked his arm, so his when I always watch it, it's like, where, where's his hand? Mm. So his arm was just cocked back, shoulder, and that, I mean, that's what we've always sort of done when guys are that low, you go in, because you can't, you generally can't wrap your arm around anything to, to try clean them out, but mm. you've got to show that picture that you're trying. His was just cocked back, shoulder out, and he just tried to absolutely polex Kazuki Himino into row 17 of um, the National <laughs> Stadium. And, yeah, he got it slightly wrong. I don't think I, I don't. He definitely wouldn't have been aiming up to hit him in the head. No. Um, he would have been trying to get a clean. That's that. You know, Brody Brody plays the game really tough, but mm. he's not. Um, he's not a dirty player, and he wouldn't have been trying to um, to to uh, knock Kazuki know out. But it was unfortunate. But he just had that arm cocked. Had he had had his arm out and looking to wrap, I think he would have just got a yellow. So it's really, really um, uh, sort of. The difference is that's all it is, but I think, yeah, I don't think he'll be heading up north. I think he'll go for escape for sort of four weeks. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Once it goes to that red card area, they're compelled then to go down the, the proper discipline channels, and unfortunately, uh, that will probably rule him out. Well, definitely rule him out yeah, the rest of the test matches, won't it? It's massive, right, for, for, mm. for the All Blacks as well, because, you know, he, he's missed a lot of footy this year, uh, test match footy, and he, we saw glimpses of him getting back to some of his best rugby and now mm. uh, you know in terms of that combination I, I, you, you'd imagine Brody's always going to be there I was, I was quite impressed with Tupuvai last night I think he brings a real point of difference to that that second row his, his ball carrying ability his offload ability especially through the middle of the park Marshy yep. something that we haven't that the All Blacks haven't had uh, for, you know especially uh, you know that against the Irish that's where we, that's where the All Blacks really struggled was to create through the middle of the field, create some line breaks and create fast ball through your through your big ball carriers. So I was impressed with him, and, and hopefully 
uh, he, alongside Scott Barrett and, and Sam Whitelock, they'll share a lot of game time up, up north now, I'd imagine. Well, Joe, always appreciate your insight. It's it's so good to and refreshing to hear your thoughts on the game. Uh, equally, I think probably you'll be on the phone, your, phone, your player agent skills uh, after some uh, Derns and Riley, in the, yes. in the, if I know you well. <laughs> um, but thanks yeah, for joining yeah, us on Sunday. Hey, good Halo clients anyway, mate. We're oh, there you go. That's why you knew so much about them. I, I, knew, I smelled a rat straight away. <laughs> Have a good day, mate. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Oh, that, that. Let's go now to Campbell Burns from the uh, Rugby News. Campbell, good afternoon to you, mate. Very good afternoon to you, to you gents. Yeah, hey, look, mate, let's, we've done a lot of All Blacks talk. Let's, let's pivot a little bit. Let's uh, go to the Women's Rugby World Cup. Of course, last night, uh, the Black Ferns had a great one, well, another big win over Wales, 55-3. Did you see that coming, Campbell, or did you think that might be a bit tighter this time? No, no, look, it's, it's fair to say I, um, I saw the scoreline coming. 55-3 was pretty comprehensive. I think the... Most pleasing aspect of it uh, wasn't the fact that um, you know we saw the we saw the back three uh, cutting loose again for the Black Ferns, but more the fact that they shored up their scrum, uh, which was a problem from from two weeks uh, prior um, against the same opponent. So they also um, managed to uh, to get on top of the breakdown after a bit, a bit of a dusty start there. So um, it was a much better performance, I think, by the Black Ferns forwards, uh, which will please um, please Wayne Smith and his. Uh, his coaches um, as much as anything, I think. I want to talk to you about that, Campbell, because th- this has been all the chat s- since that end of year tour in November and the problems that they s- they faced at set piece. Did oh, look, Wayne Smith is so astute, and I've been coached by him. But is it, are the Black Ferns backing themselves into a corner to try and get engaged into a set piece contest where the, the strengths are obviously on on the outside backs and the centres. You know, is is it a, a problem that they are worrying about that area of the game before they've even had to confront it? Uh, hard to say, really. Um, I mean, I, I guess their big test firstly will come next week in the semi, which was always going to be D-Day, whether it was France or England. So mm. France will present a very strong set piece, but they can also um, hurt teams out wide, as we saw yesterday when they beat uh, Italy 39-3. I think, I, I think the Black Ferns have to try and play the game that they're that they're doing. I mean, they would certainly like a drier day um, if that's possible next <laughs> week uh, for Auckland. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard, hard to legislate, obviously, for that. But I think they have to play the, the up-tempo game that they do. But I think they have shored up their scrum. And Mike Cron's obviously done some great work with the likes of um, uh, of Amy Rawl and Pip Love. And I think Rawl was outstanding yesterday. So as long as they can get parity or close to it um, up front, I think they can certainly certainly do the damage on a side like France, but then England, uh, who they will possibly meet in the final, will certainly um, up the ante in, in all areas, and they'll be accurate at both the, the breakdown and set piece, but also with the ability to hit, hit the Black Ferns out wide. So really it's building up to, to, you know, to these last two games, and you know, we've seen 10, 10 straight wins from the Black Ferns that are on the right track, that, that they aren't playing perfect rugby, but I think they, with with the resources they have, they have to play the the way they are. 
Hey, uh, Campbell, I was talking to Mitty Baker last night, former Kiwi Fern and Sevens player, and I said uh, some of the other teams, especially like England, they have, seem to have a superior uh, kicking game than we do. And, and uh, is that something that's going to bite us? And she said, it's not about the kicking game for the Black Ferns. This is about we're a running, passing team. That's what we do. Do you think the kicking game might come back to kick us in the butt? Could be. Uh, but, uh, I mean, to, to be fair, I think we have a, a good short kicking game. We've got Ruhe Dumont who can... Um, who does well with the kick pass. Um, and Kendra Coxie, to apply the foot um, with her short kicking game, can be very effective. Um, we certainly don't have the long kicking game of a Zoe Harrison, who's the number 10 for England. Mm. So, um, I, I, look, I'm sure, I'm sure it won't come down to a, to a duel in that respect. Um, but as long as we execute the, the shorter stuff, find our touch from penalties and land our goals, uh, which is going to be critical as well. And this is where I think Renee Holmes could still play a um, play a key role. I think she's the best goal kicker, but uh, Ruhe Demont actually goal kicked uh, quite well off the tee yesterday, so she's obviously an option there. Kendra Coxedge for the shorter one, so if they can nail that goal kicking in this shorter kicking game, I'm, uh, um, I've got a, got a feeling the Black fans will be okay there. Hey, Campbell, interesting as well. We've got some games on today. Uh, the big dogs, England, are playing Australia at the moment. We haven't got Spark TV in the studio here, Marshy. It's, it's out there and it's not on. <laughs> but um, we've got a score update. It's a 7-0 to England after about 29 minutes. Uh, Campbell, have you seen any of this? Are you keeping an eye on this or, or what's your thinking? Yeah, I, I haven't actually seen any of that game, but I have kept tabs on the scoreline. Uh, I suspect it's wet out there at Waitakere, West Auckland. So uh, that would play into England's hands for sure, um, although Australia do have a very tigerish uh, uh, flankers and, and number eight. But, uh, yeah, look, you'd suspect England would uh, would take that comfortably and then followed by Canada, USA, uh, you'd favour Canada for that one. So it, it's been quite funny with this World Cup. There's been some really good rugby, but there's only been one upset, and that's probably been Fiji beating South Africa um, mm-hmm. in terms of the ranking. So um, if you say World Cups, the success of World Cups is based on how many how many shocks or upsets there are. Well, there, there has only been one, but there has been good rugby, but you'd think the, the top four will be the favoured the, the favored four from the start uh, next week in the semis. Campbell, there was another big game of rugby uh, happening <laughs> uh, last night. Uh, the All Blacks, what did you make of their performance? <laughs> oh, yeah, look, the All Blacks weren't much, weren't much chop, really, were they, Marshy? Um, mm. 38-31. Um, we know they didn't have their top side out there, but they... They really struggled again to deal with the uh, the, the rush defence of the Japanese, um, and they ended up um, ended up in a bit of a um, a bit of a kicking strategy, which didn't really work. They didn't really kick properly, um, so that was disappointing to see. Because we know in their in their poor displays earlier in the season, they have actually struggled to deal with that rush defence and some tigerish work at the breakdown by their opponents. So, um, I mean, they scored five tries to four, um, and scored a couple of nice tries, but. It was a fairly disappointing display all round, I think, from the All Blacks, and they would probably feel they were a bit lucky to, to come out to, to come away with the win in the end. Were, were you on the page of Ian Foster in selecting the side that he did and giving opportunities out there, or would you have preferred to see them hit the ground running with that side that's the majority of that side that's likely to start next week and probably for the following two weeks? Yeah, well, it's a funny one. I guess his, uh, his fans were thrown out the door with the injuries and then the um, the grandmother of the Barrett boys uh, passing away. So he probably had to change things up a bit. Um, he probably would have wanted to get more of his, his first string um, lineup in there because then they could still have, you know, play their top team against Wales and then 
maybe rest some of them against Scotland. So, yeah, things yeah, things turned out a bit messy. And then they lost uh, Dane Coles in the warm-up, of course. Um, but, you know, you'd have to say it was still the prime opportunity to give someone like Stephen Perifetta a run, um, only a second test match. Um, and, you know, it was tough for him, but I still think he's a, he's a fullback who can play 10 rather than the other way around. So that was a, that was a fair call. Some of these other guys certainly needed a run. Um, and you know, the, and they hadn't played for four or five weeks too. So the selection was fair enough. It was just more the performance that was disappointing. Hey, awesome, Campbell. Hey, thank you so much for your time today, mate. Give the rugby news a plug, pal. Yeah, when's, it, when's it out next? Yeah, mate. So we're just uh, getting our November issue to to bear. That's out November ten. Um, so we'll have um, all the news in there, um, including including the women's rugby world cup and some of the All Blacks, but a whole lot of uh, NPC and Heartland uh, rugby in there, plus plus grassroots. So it's all. All going to be there from November 10, Rugby News. Still getting my copy, Campbell. Thank you very much and enjoy it every month. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Awesome, Martin. Cheers. No worries, mate. Cheers, Campbell. Thank you very much. There you go, Campbell Burns from the uh, Rugby News. Always good uh, to chat. Very lucky off the back of that commentary to have my good mate Tim Horan uh, join us. We won't keep you long, Tim, because I know that you're heavily involved in the Wallaroos game uh, at the moment against England. But thanks for joining us. Man, you guys are getting pretty good at these last-minute type games. This time you got it right against Scotland. <laughs> yeah, g'day boys. Nice to be on the show again and uh, never in doubt, Marshy. Um, <laughs> Wallabies. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Um, it's good to see Michael Hooper back in the number seven jersey, wasn't it? Uh, he obviously missed six test matches this year through, you know, getting back to the family, spending a bit more time at home and he didn't look out of shape, did he? Um, you know, came back into it. and But just, I think, the, the Wallabies, just they hung in there, hung tough and I thought Scotland were outstanding. When you look at the players they're missing, guys like Stuart Hogg, Finn Russell, Johnny Gray, outside of the Test match window, and oh, I thought they were very good. And of course Blair Kinghorn, you know, scoring a try but missing that kick at the end, devastating for him in, in front of a big home crowd. In general, what did you make of the Wallabies' performance? They were behind for large parts of that game, but as you mentioned, they stayed in the fight. Is, is that a bit of a mental shift for them that they can actually from behind find a way to win Test matches? I think so, Marshy, and, and, and mate, you you obviously been there before, but you know, playing whether it's in Dublin, whether it's in Cardiff, and whether it's in Edinburgh at Murrayfield, really tough places to win. You know, you've got to really got to dig deep and stay in the fight. And I think the Wallabies did that. Um, you know, it wasn't many outstanding performances. I thought Nick Frost was very good at lock. I thought Rob Valentini again at number eight, outstanding. I think just to one to be able to stay in the fight and stay in touch. Um, obviously, you're going to have to improve a lot when you come up against France next weekend for the Wallabies, and that's going to be a tough match for them to see where they're really at um, when you play a side like France in Paris. You mentioned uh, the return of Michael Hooper, which is outstanding, and great to see him get through those issues that he's had and and back to his normal self. The one area that did impress us here in New Zealand uh, with the recent Bledisloe and and Rugby Championship games was that loose forward mix. Uh, was very, very good for Australia. Do you think it's better with Michael Hooper involved than what it was then? Well, I think when you look at Michael Hooper, what he brings, just to the, I think just the experience and the measure, the calmness of him on a rugby field. Um, he, he slotted back in pretty well talking to Luke Pearce, the referee a fair bit. I think he forgot he wasn't captain occasionally. And, <laughs> um, but but you look at that combination. But also, Marshy, when you look at the number nine, Jersey Tate McDermott, yeah. he was outstanding. That first 20 to 25 minutes and really got the Wallabies off to a good start, making some breaks. And I think... Dave Rennie and the coaching staff has probably got to use this 
five test matches to try and cement down, okay, who's our back row? Who's our nine, ten combination? Because if you keep changing your nine and keep changing your ten, it's difficult to form those combinations. So Noel Seal will probably get a chance at some stage. So will Nick White. But uh, I know you've got to have depth uh, going into a Rugby World Cup in a year's time. But at some stage, you've got to try and get those combinations building. Totally agree. Are you on the pathway to solving your problem at fullback? Oh, not yet. Um, mm. Tom Banks was quiet. Um, you know, coming back from a broken arm, broke his arm in that first test match versus England in Perth a long time ago now. It was a very bad break. But, yeah, he, he eased himself back in the game. But, you know, whether it's Andrew Calloway, whether yeah. it's Tom Banks, or whether it's you go to Geordie Pattaya, who got a bit of an opportunity this year, but his kicking game probably lacks a little bit. But uh, And then he got... Sort of Vunavala, who's not even on the tour, who I would have thought, you know, he's probably a, a game breaker uh, coming into the World Cup. So he probably needs, needs a bit more footy. So, no, our back three's not there yet, um, but we're, we've got plenty of depth. It's just trying to cement who's going to play in those positions for a long period of time. Can you put out a side capable of beating France and Paris? Uh, it's going to be a tough one, Marshy, but yeah, the Wallabies, um, you know, they pride themselves on, you know, going pretty well against France over many, yeah. many years. So, that was a great series, wasn't it, last last year in Australia, the three-test mm. match series against France, and um, that's when the French side brought a lot of younger players out in the building. But, yeah, good rehearsal for Rugby World Cup, isn't it, against France? And I think the Wallabies are actually going to play a, um, a test match against France two weeks out before the Rugby World Cup next year. So, Jeez. good relationship with them. But, yeah, I, I think we can. I think, you know, with Michael Hooper back in the team, didn't pick up too many injuries in this test match. And, you know, Dave Rennie's got a side that, um, you know, hopefully can, can take it to France, um, you know, in Paris next week. And just finally, mate, uh, the All Blacks struggled their way through a test match against Japan. It would be very unlike you not to have a comment when they do struggle. What would you make of that game? <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was outstanding. I think, and Marshy, like the, the rise and rise of Japanese rugby, probably since 2015 when Eddie Jones had that Japanese team humming and they beat the Springboks. I think from, ever, from there... That level and the respect of other teams has risen, and and the All Blacks knew that going into this game that was always going to be a tough match. And I think it's great for rugby to have potentially, you know, eight teams that can win a Rugby World Cup now. And you've got sides like, you know, as you said, um, Argentina. You look at Japan, the way they're playing now, they're going to scare a lot of teams, and someone is going to miss out on a quarter final. It's going to be an upset. But no, I thought it was great performance from the All Blacks, and of course, as you know, they'll get a few players back for the next Test match coming back from New Zealand. Mate, we so appreciate you coming on the show, stepping out of that Wallaroos game. Go back to it. Um, always great to have you on, and um, we'll catch up with you at some other stage. It won't be in the UK, mate, but uh, we'll hopefully see you around Christmas time. I believe you're going to be descending on Queenstown around there, so I'll stock up the beer fridge. <laughs> Look forward to it. Thanks, boys. Look forward to chatting, hopefully chatting the next couple of weeks, uh, depending on how the Wallabies go in the next few test matches. Cheers, Cheers mate. Cheers, Tim. Thank you very much. There you go, Tim Horan. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.